0: It's Monday night at 10 o'clock, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. This is a show for folks who expect more than softball questions when it comes to their comic analysis. I'm Brett, and joining <laughs> me is my co host, Alana. How you doing?
1: It has been a tiring week for being a comics fan. I feel yes. like everybody is feeling super, if you're a comics fan, who is someone who, you know, picks up new books every day from the store or, or, and is engaged in social media. Like, this has been a very draining week. Um, and one of a lot of uh, negative things that, you know, definitely hard to focus on the positives. And I'm hoping that on our show today we can pull out some of the things that are happening in comics right now that are really great, as well as explaining why the things, a few things are happening
0: Yeah, so uh, for folks who don't know, uh, this has been a really weird week. There's been a whole bunch of stuff going on, uh, but we'll give you the rundown uh, rather quickly. Uh, uh, Last Monday, Marvel debuted a new series, uh, Captain America Steve Rogers, which had um, the original Captain America Steve Rogers returning. To the forefront and as uh, well, Captain America, uh, he has gone back to his previous age after being de-aged in the Welcome to Pleasant Hill storyline by a sentient comic, cosmic cube. Uh, but the end of the comic, um, which was written by Nick Spencer, um, after kicking out his ally Jack Flagg from a, a plane apparently killing him, uh, Captain America ends the comic with saying Hail Hydra. The hint being or the the nod being that uh, Captain America has actually been a uh, sleeper agent for Hydra uh, since then, writer Nick Spencer uh, editor Tom Brevort has been using that language in interviews uh, basically confirming that that is indeed what's going on that this isn't going to be a story that ends in a few uh, issues that is going to have uh, major implications in the Marvel Universe um, for some time to go, and that cap has uh, always been on both sides, is what you would uh, believe from the interviews that have been given to explain the situation. As you can expect, shit hit the fan, people flip their lids, uh, as they should. And, um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about uh, another series that you viewed, Nighthawk, uh, which also deals with uh, some political issues. We haven't discussed Black Panthers, so we're going to go about that. And then last week... Uh, it was dwarfed by Marvel news, but D.C.'s rebirth hit the newsstands. Um, so basically, with the Captain America, with uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America, you know, Brandon Spencer's saying that he wanted to go this route in a way to capture the zeitgeist that's going on with the rise of uh, Donald Trump and, and um, uh, attacks on immigrants. Um, so generally, like, what, it, what are your thoughts when it's coming to that?
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting because Spencer is somebody who in Captain America thus far had been talking about real-world issues, um, like you described, xenophobia being played in America and things like that. Um, so he, we know he's somebody who actually legitimately cares about this topic. Um, but the way that the, uh, the media around the reveal of Captain America having been a Hydra agent all along, mind you, uh, as in since the beginning of time that we've been reading it uh, has been handled is really like counter to Spencer wanting us to take it seriously as a story that has political implications. Um, I mean, Marvel has been trying to play it up uh, for like shock value mm-hmm. and has been essentially like laughing at people who are upset about the revelation and you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're all people who've been following comics for a long time, and we know that in comics, nothing ever stays the same forever, I mean, other than, I guess, Batman's parents being dead, um, and that we know this isn't how the story is going to end. We're not upset about that. We're not upset because we think Cap has been, we're not upset because Cap is different. People are upset because of specifically it being Captain America, a character who was created... By Jews before World War II, before America entered World War II, in response to anti-Semitic fascism, um, were upset that it was revealed that, you know, in, in Nick Spencer's story, that Cap has actually been against us this whole time, um, which forces you to re look at everything that's happened in, in the comic before and say, oh, I guess all of that was was bull. If you want us to, if you want us to take you seriously, and, and what you're saying that this is that, you know, he's been a sleeper agent all this time. So you're telling us all this history we've, we've all read and has been something that was actually uh, powerful in America's discourse, because as, you know, the writers have been pointing out, like Captain America punched Hitler before the U.S. entered the war. Um, Marvel got, uh, Jack, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, creators of Cap, got death threats from pro-Nazi folks um, when the comic came out and the NYPD had to be sent to protect them, like... This was real, actual, political, dangerous stuff when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I don't think that Spencer is taking – I think Spencer thinks he's doing something serious and intellectual in this. I don't think Marvel is treating it that way. I think Marvel is treating it in a very disrespectful way. Um, but I also don't agree with Spencer's choice in the first place because if the idea is supposed to be that anybody you know could secretly be a Nazi and holding these feelings – um, well, for one thing, like Captain America was explicitly designed because we needed a hero for the, like oppressed people in those moments to actually be true, and to then say actually no, you were wrong all along, is undermining the message of a character whose historic need was like rooted in, in like the Jewish experience, and it's also like if you're somebody who's dealing with oppression in your daily life because you're an, an undocumented immigrant, because you're because you're LGBTQ or something, like we don't need a reminder that people who are powerful hate us. And it's usually not a surprise when we uncover these things. So the idea that this, and I, I feel like I got this particular analysis through a uh, fangirl, Janine on Twitter. I think she was the one who was speaking to this, but the idea that it's somehow supposed to be like oh, anyone, you know, could actually be a bigot is um, I mean, that's probably a feeling that a lot of white dudes have, but people who actually experience. Um, discrimination a lot in their lives are pretty much aware of which one of your uncles is a racist and saying mean things about them. Uh, so the idea that this reveal is going to somehow educate people in some way um, is not helpful and could be done with a different character. Actually, if you want to have a hero turn out to be not what he was billed as, like there's a whole legion of characters who are not explicitly built as anti-Nazi characters uh, that you could tell that story with. Um, You know, and I've historically liked Spencer's writing, Nick Spencer's writing a lot. Um, I I don't feel like his conduct has been particularly respectful. Uh, I I did see him engaging with one critic uh, in what seemed to be like an honest exchange today. Um, I feel like prior to today, when you would see creators engaging with people, um, because creators all circle the wagons to defend the story, uh, Mm -hmm. regardless of publisher. I feel like there's very much a mentality that creators feel like if, if one artist is allowed to be critiqued, then they're all gonna be allowed to be critiqued. And it's like, guess what? You guys are actually all allowed to be critiqued. You're making public art, and we're gonna to respond to public art. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel like people have sort of chosen the most inarticulate spokespeople to respond to, um, and haven't by and large engaged in conversations with people who are bringing up legitimate critiques. Um, but I did see Spencer talking with uh, someone intelligently today, which is a start. Um, and, you know, I, I, uh, I would hope that there would be more willingness to listen to the Jewish fans and, like, recognize that this is a serious thing. And I think, again, Nick Spencer, I don't think he thinks this is bull. I think Nick Spencer means this very genuinely, uh, but needed to calibrate what he was doing in a different way. And I believe that this particular narrative choice is a big mistake to the character and I've been talking for a while, and you wrote an excellent essay about the topic, so let me have you continue speaking about it now
0: <laughs> yeah, so my my essay and my take on it was from the the you know focus on why cap was created. It was created by Joe Simon Jack Kirby a year before you know it's almost and, and published almost exactly a year before uh, the u s was attacking Pearl Harbor, so the you know, United States wasn't entering World War II, in fact. The United States was very isolationist and, and, and divided as to what they should do about World War II. I mean, there was a massive fascist Nazi movement in the United States. Um, they had a, a rally in Madison Square Garden where you know, something like 22,000 people showed up. You know, as you said, Simon and Kirby received death threats over it, over it to the point that the mayor had to send uh, police to protect them. Um, I I personally think it's in a way insulting to these two guys who created this character to counteract fascists and specifically Nazis, especially what their actions were doing over in World War II and the holocaust. Um, they were very aware of that. So by you know this being a twist, and if you go with Brevort and Spencer's word that this is actual thing and it's not you know a, a fake out and he's a triple agent or whatever. Um, that, he you know, he actually is a, a Sleeper Hydra member that I think it's insulting to Simon and Kirby. And I know a lot of creators have said, you know, you don't know what, what Simon or Kirby would think. No, I but I do know what Jim Simon, Joe Simon's kid, would think, uh, who would know what Joe Simon would think more than anyone else. And he is vehemently against this, uh, yeah. tweeting out and saying um, that, you know, people like Jess Plummer... Um, nailed it in their piece. He uh, has retweeted retweet, you know, out and said, say no to Hydra Cap. Um, so the Simon family seems to be very against this. Um, hmm. So the dismissiveness by people like Tom Brevoort and some of these other creators who saying, you know, don't know what Jack Kirby and Joe Simon would think. Well, clearly they don't know what Jack Kirby and Joe Simon would think about it. Um, I, I personally think the reaction by the comic community is, is really fucking disturbing by this. Um, a lot of them, a lot of people have dismissed and post up photos of of panels where Cap was brainwashed. Well, there's a difference between being brainwashed and having your actual, uh, uh, you know, basic beliefs and and history changed. Brainwash uh-huh. is someone oh, has been taken over for, you know, a couple issues in their arc and they're going to be back to normal. This is his fundamental um, you know what his basic fundamental existence is is changed due to this. You know, Cap uh, isn't yeah. a patriot anymore. He's a traitor. Um, he is no longer anti fascist. He is a fascist. And for you know, for folks who like Brevort who are saying that you know people are going too far calling him a Nazi, I don't think so because you know Red Skull and, and Hydra in and the even Marvel way they predicted it or uh, have have shown it not predict it but have shown it, um, is red skull and the and and hydra have been hand in hand you know they're a version of nazis marvel doesn't use nazis generally they use hydra as their stand in the latest issue has has red skull talking you know xenophobic stuff and getting people whipped up about refugees and immigrants exactly like white supremacists and white power movements doing now, you know, the equivalent in saying Hydra isn't Nazis is like saying white supremacists aren't Nazis. They fucking are. It's just semantics at this point. There
1: is no yeah. difference. And, and on top mean, of it, like for the folks who've used, uh, who've dug out old panels from old issues of Cap from Kirby's era, um, there, you know, there was a, there was a plot where Cap is brainwashed by Red Skull and Cass and say like Hal Hitler in it. Like, there's a difference between having a plot where a character is brainwashed versus a plot where the entire story is that this whole entire time he's actually been a Nazi. Like, one of these things is a short digression that happens, and it only impacts a few issues. The other changes, and this is what Stephen Adderwell's piece about subtractive retcons. Uh, that folks should mm-hmm. go check out on graphic graphicpolicy.com. Which I love
0: that um, term. I love that. Point re- that says re- actually re-
1: everything you've read to this point, he's been a Nazi in that, is like a huge difference. And additionally, like, I think that Jack Kirby gets has the right to play with his own characters as someone who's survived the Nazis when he literally fought against them in war in perhaps a different way than people who are of a far younger generation and aren't even Jewish do when they're writing it. So...
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of the thing in my piece that I brought up, is, you know, the entire comic industry was built on minorities, especially Jewish people, who could not get jobs elsewhere because of their Judaism. They were rejected because of the fact they were Jewish. And you can see that there wasn't acceptance of the time and that, you know, Jack Kirby and all these guys created, you know, changed their names because they knew, you know, Kurtzberg wasn't going to sell or Lieber wasn't going to sell. hmm um, you know, the the United States have a long history of anti-Semitism to this day has a long history, you know, still has uh, anti-Semitic streak to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just Jews. I mean, a lot of people focus on that. But women, African-Americans, they all found refuge within the comic industry. And to have, you know, that history not recognized in any way, I've yet to see any discussion or interview by the, you know, the folks that Marvel's put out in front of this to recognize that at all. Like, none of them have recognized the history. It has been focused on that, which to me indicates they don't get it or they know they're in the wrong.
1: Yeah, I think it's very disingenuous. Up. Like, they, have really, they haven't engaged with any of the serious critics who have, no, who, have, who have written about the topic. They've only engaged with, like, people who have very surface-level comments and who are just sort of seem like not really armed with the proper background knowledge to have a serious conversation. Yeah, and, um, and
0: I, what we were talking about before is I really think, well, while I think Spencer's trying to have an interesting conversation with the character, the way it's gone about, I consider it clickbait. This is like shock and awe clickbait comics, um, in that, sadly, the twist is the actual story and not what's trying to be discussed as the story. Like, there's something very valid to explore the Red Skull um, whipping up anti-immigrant uh-huh. sentiment and yep. i think you could have actually had a more interesting story by having an american going over training under red skull and then having captain america go and take out that american killing him and now you've got a discussion about um you know trump trump's influence you have captain america killing an american off of american soil um, in which, which case you can delve into to drone uh, topics and, and the you know, use of drones in wars. You would also be able to discuss um, you know, of finding someone guilty in absentia, basically, and having the, the kill lists. Uh-huh. Um, you've got a discussion of just the refugee crisis in general. You've got the discussion of the rise of, of neo-Nazism and fascism in Europe, um, you made a hell of a discussion at that point but unfortunately with this twist then now the conversation is not to cap it's, so what was going to be discussed is lost in the conversation because yeah. they focused on the wrong stuff
1: I agree, that's a good way to explain it so luckily there are other comics that are out there now in fact, one at least from the self-same two in fact from the self-same publisher that we yes. think are talking about topical things in a productive way and creative way in ways that aren't like explicitly insulting to people who apparently you don't care enough about to have a conversation with first. Um, so, you know, it's a shame like that poor Nighthawk had to debut the same <laughs> day that the internet ex- righteously exploded over her Nazi cap. Um, yep. Cause Nighthawk is really an exciting new comic from one of your and all my uh, favorite up and coming writers, uh, David
0: we even Absolute call him up and coming her. at this point? He's just an well, awesome I mean, writer.
1: <laughs> okay, he's been doing it for a long... But he hasn't been writing comics forever. He's, he's, That's true, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, been, he's a long-standing writer. He hasn't been writing comics forever. But um, yeah, he, uh, the writer David F. Walker, who's been on our podcast as a guest before, he's also writing Luke Cage and Power Man, which is excellent, and people should check it out. Sorry, Power Man and Iron Fist uh, is the name of the comic. His recent run on Shaft is really interesting. Um, and he, he did Cyborg... Recently, back when Cyborg was good. Uh, now he's on Nighthawk, which is a fresh new title. Issue number one that came out Wednesday that we think he should be reading.
0: Yeah, and I think it says a lot that you actually have a comic where the character is taking on real-world issues and doing it in smart, intelligent ways and is not really pushed at all. No, like, I there's not like no
1: marketing seen, behind Nighthawk.
0: Which, yeah, which tells you everything about Marvel's... Thought process right now um yeah the fact so, that like, you, you know it would have been the harder sell it would have been the harder thing to push but it would have been the
1: better thing to push yeah like seriously for folks who don't know the short version of Nighthawk is he you know is an African-American superhero the story is very rooted in Chicago I don't know if that's always been the case but it is now um and it is directly engaging in a conversation around police violence um uh, like white supremacy, gentrification. gentrification and displacement like of of you know lower income people by predatory luxury housing developers like real shit that i see and deal with in my life all the time and yeah. it's very well made and it's very exciting and um you know like if you think about the sort of push that they could have given around like introducing a hot new black superhero tackling real world problems. Like you could see that like, no, it's not gonna be getting a, a cover or piece in, you know, in, in um in USA Today, but that definitely would get press if they tried to get it press, without a doubt. And they didn't. So we're here, the comics press, to tell you to check out Nighthawk. Um so the art the artists on this uh, are Ramon Villa and the colorist is Tamara Bonvillan. Um she was just knocking it out of the ballpark. Uh, I feel weird starting to talk about a comic by talking about how good the colors are, but wow, it is yeah. really sharp. Um, this is one of the best colored comics I've seen lately, by far. She should totally get an Eisner if she keeps this up. So, yay. Um, and it's good to see her working on this since Rat Queens is no longer a thing. Um, uh, so, yeah, so the story of Nighthawk is, like, you know, Raymond Cain. He, he on the surface he sort of sounds like he could be like Mister Terrific, being another sort of like black inventor uh, hero character. Mm-hmm. Um, both not exactly known for, you know, to people outside of like hardcore comics readers. Um, but I think that this story being so much a part of what's happening in Chicago right now really makes it unique um i haven't seen a mainstream comic book be this specifically topical and real world connected in a very long time
0: yeah and and that's the the thing that i really really enjoy about it um and i will give it master props there, there are some issues i have with it but it's mostly nighthawk the character not anything that david walker did as writer um but oh, the, so you the know th- the
1: character from before this
0: yeah, so, okay, so for those who don't know, Nighthawk's actually been around for a really long time. He's part of Squadron Sup- uh, the Squadron Supreme, which was Marvel oh. kind of picking on just, uh, DC's Justice League with their own version. He's generally been an in, in alter world character, so you don't really see him a whole lot in the Marvel Universe. Post uh, Secret Wars, the Squadron Supreme is now in the Marvel 616 main universe, but they're all basically refugees from their destroyed worlds who are now on our Earth or the Earth or Marvel Earth um, together. So my, my issue has always been with the character and just the fact that I've never seen him differentiated enough from Batman or Midnighter like to me. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping, you know, David Walker's writer does that. But, like, that's the only knock I've got to give. It. it just feels like Batman, which is what he was. Like, he was a derivative of Batman mm-hmm. and, and commentary but, on him.
1: And, but here's where I think he's really different. I feel like his – the character's tone through the comic, he's so much more visibly – and this is partially something expressed in the artwork. I'm, like, I'm looking at the scene where he's in the shower, which has got amazing art. Mm-hmm. He is just, like, viscerally, emotionally there and open. Uh, When at least when he's with himself, Um, he's not stony faced at all. And I also think that like, I mean, just the fact that he's like, you know, African-American is like a huge distinct difference. But also what he's trying to do with his economic power. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are Batman stories that deal with like Batman fighting off, you know, predatory developers. Absolutely but Batman never seemed connected to the problem in the same way that he reads as being connected to it on a visceral level. Like right. be doing this the right way is part of his like core identity in a way that with Batman, it always kind of feels a little bit like a hobby. Um, and Batman isn't really quite believable in those scenes. Like he's just not, um, I, you know, I love this panel where, uh, Nighthawk is sort of shrugging the the, the the you know the greasy developers like arm off his shoulders. He's like, yeah, I'm not your buddy and I'm not your pal. Um, and like the, the the discomfort that he has being around him, um, he's just much more emotionally raw than I think you you see uh, Bruce Wayne be. And um, the the costume design is actually really good. I mean, it looks more like an owl than a hawk, but it's like a pretty yep. good costume. I like the costume. <laughs>
0: Um, I love the design, and I thought that too was that he looked like an hawk. I mean, to me, to me, the character really feels like what we discussed with Batman. God, what was the issue? It was more five. 40. Forty, yeah. Like it yeah. felt it. He feels like he's Batman Forty, and that everything we wanted to be Batman more socially aware. Yes, but it, that's still the thing. Is it just still feels like Batman that's socially aware for me right now? It's still. It's, it's really still good, not good, Batman. Not, not,
1: no, okay, no, I get but, your point. Yeah,
0: it's only one but, issue, but yeah yeah it's one issue and and the other is i'm also coming off of all the stuff from squadron supreme mm
1: -hmm.
0: so like for that there's like there's no real social aspect at all he's just this cold wealthy dude dealing with all these other psychopaths
1: interesting Uh,
0: yeah so you know i I've, i've got that probably weighing on my mind a little bit but yeah i'm hoping we're gonna see him really take off i think the the social aspect alone is what's good, what makes it unique and interesting.
1: I really like I'm not somebody who's like really followed Roman Villalobos' art a lot. He's very much to me in the school of like Frank Quietly, who just isn't an aesthetic that I'm into, but I think he's been so good on this book. Like there is a bit everything is sort of like rounded and fleshy looking and like I said that's not normally my aesthetic, but it's totally working here. I think that like to particularly, like, the, the, the shower scene where he's showering and it's juxtaposed with him beating up mm-hmm. the neo-Nazis. That, like, page is super powerful. Um, and all the expressions on his face, I think, are just, like, very emotive and very convincing. Um, and I, so I think the art is just really smack, smack on perfect in this. And his new side, psych, not psychic, but, like, his tech guru who's working with him, Tilda, she's a really cool new character. She's a former criminal, um... She's like you know short-haired black woman, and uh, she is like absolutely necessary because she makes sure that he's you know talking to somebody rather than all the dialogue being in his head. Um, yep. She's a great addition. Like I, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get interesting cosplay of her at, at Comic Con with like her T-shirts and her like doctor jacket. I'm totally seeing that, predicting that now, and um, I also think that like. She's a character who had been in the earlier books who had kind of been drawn in a super cheese cakey corny way, and now she's being resuscitated like and taken seriously uh and I think that's really cool you know there's also the sequence where it's a flashback to his childhood and his parents telling him that if he's always this angry it's going to take he can't let himself stay angry because it'll take over his personality and destroy him and I think that that's a struggle that um is Potentially, like, an important one to portray in a book like this, like, where somebody really is dealing with the kinds of trauma in their world that has an actual emotional impact on you. Um, and people telling you, you shouldn't get too angry, like, when it's an injustice everywhere is, is hard. Um, so trying to strike a balance for him in this could be an interesting story. I, I liked that that scene with his mother um, and the flashback to her telling him not to get be too angry, and him being incredibly angry the whole way through. Um, I think the mask and the eyes are like very iconic. Like, there's such good design in this. You know, I, I like it. They, they, I really hope that Marvel puts money behind promoting it. I, I want to see those little T-shirts with his logo on him. I, I want to see that out there. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's one
0: comic that I didn't expect much from um, until I saw David Walker's name on it, yeah. and I'm like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. And it definitely the first issue, it got me wanting to check out where he goes with it. I mean, there's a lot to the character, um, and I can see what he's doing in a lot of ways that I think is really interesting. Um, so the the whole uh, as a whole, I just think it's 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 going to be fascinating to see what they do with the character and the series as a whole. I'm hoping that it, it catches on and goes far. I, you know, I'm a little irritated and, the fact that, you know, it hasn't got really gotten much of a push. Um, but you know, that's not Walker's fault. That's his publishers. Um, yeah.
1: I he's certainly on social media. I'm talking about it. Um, yeah. Oh God, the cover for issue two has people with protest signs that say, hands up, don't shoot. Like on the cover, and then just the post with police with the police riot shields. Like this is not just going to be one of those things where like there's something political in one issue and it doesn't get held without. Like this is going to be political throughout.
0: No, yeah, that's what I expect from him. Like I would think that the the series as a whole is going to be very political, um, which is great as it exactly should be. I mean the uh, as a whole, a you know that to me that's the thing that really makes it stand out. And what I think is the most interesting thing so far about it is the fact that we've got a comic series that shows you can do comics and politics really, really well and have it flow seamlessly. Um, you know, There's nothing odd about it. Like everything that David has Nighthawk do and face is interesting and makes sense as for the character and the storytelling and it 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 just works it works and flows really really well and this is i think a good example of you know a great example of where you can do a comic taking on modern issues that are actually going on and have it flow normal you don't need shock and awe to get people looking at it you just need decent marketing and something interesting to say and as a whole this is stuff that's not really talked about in other comics or addressed it has been here and there but generally not. So, you know, the, the fact that it's doing that is unique unto itself. And it it deserves people to, to check it out. So, I mean, it, this is the good example of, of comments and politics being done really, really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have another example of that. Yeah, this is. To-
0: This is another – yeah, so uh, this comic has gotten a hell of a lot of press. Um, We definitely don't need to push – make a push for it. It is – Black Panther has been two issues out so far. It's by Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, really, really well-known author, generally writes for The Atlantic, publisher of some – Pulitzer Prize
1: winner. Yeah, yeah. Like like, America's leading public intellectual, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Uh, And he and it was a big deal coming to them. The first issue sold something like 330,000 copies. Um, I think that number's a little inflated, but 330,000 copies, pretty impressive. Um, I don't remember what the second issue is. I don't think I've checked that out yet, but the, it's come out. But, um, so it's, it's been so far interesting. I definitely have issues with it, but, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see you've got an African-American writer, African-American uh, artist Working on, you know, Marvel or just obviously even comics lead black character or just African character. So, you know, it's there's a lot that's very interesting about it. Uh, we're also, we are also got Black Panther movie that's coming out next year, I believe. Um, so there's a lot of focus on it. And the one thing I will give Marvel a lot of credit for is no matter what the sales are, that it, it's going to 12 issues, they said it's going to go for the full story arc for, you know, what Coates has to, uh, come up with so uh we've got a long way to go
1: <laughs> so yeah i mean the thing i was going to say is like we both expected that black panther or had kind of like not expected but we had both been hoping black panther would be written in a way that made it easy for new readers of comics to understand because we know that there's all these folks who read atlantic magazine or who you know who are fans of tiny sea Coates in general who would you know who don't read comics but who are going to pick this up because they're fans of his and we were wondering like you know, is he going to make sure that this book is penetrable to new readers? And it's not. No. But I realize now, like, I I read some interviews with him, and it's clear, like, he's really not writing this for his standard audience. He is writing this for, like, the comics-reading audience. And I think as a comic for the comics-reading audience, to make the comics-reading audience engage in these serious political questions, he's doing that. So we kind of viewed it as a project for being, like, hey, let's get more people to read comics. And he viewed it as, like, let's get people who read comics to, like, read this African superhero and think about issues like gender and sexuality and race. Um, yeah. uh, and and he's doing that. So it's not what I expected at all in that way. Um, but, yeah, if you're wondering, like, should your, you know, in my case, my mom, like, who reads the Atlantic magazine, like, read Black Panther, the answer is, like, she, not unless she already reads comics. But I definitely think your friends who read comics should check out Black Panther because it's really good. Um, For one thing, I just don't know if enough people have been talking about how great Brian Selfridge's art is in this. There's so much Jack Kirby in here, but that Mm -hmm. is like really delivered with an eye for like, you know, West African and actually I'd say East African as well art um, that like just really colors it. Um, and obviously those are artistic influences that were influencing Jack Kirby in the first place. So it's kind of like a circle connecting them together. But, um, I just look at some of the shapes and pains on the faces of the characters and it's just so Kirby. I love it, love it, love it. And, um, the action and movement is like easy to read too, but just really using the lines and the way it shows technology and the circuitry. Like the, the, you know, the inks and the colors. I mean, it's just very beautiful. And um, it, this, is, this is my aesthetic. <laughs> um, and if you look at the covers of the two issues that are out, issue one and two, these are some iconic covers. Um, the issue two with the statue of King T'Challa getting pulled down and the two small children holding hands in the foreground. Like that is a powerful image and the first one with the flags burning behind him as he stands in the middle of this, like, hyper-modern city. These are super good covers. These are really powerful imagery. Yeah, I, so
0: uh, I actually, it's an interesting thing, I and I'm so relieved that I, I've, like, I've, I know I've been, like, in the background kind of crapping on the comic, so to hear what you say, like, makes me feel so relieved. Um, but to me, like, the comic, I think it's going to be really good read as a uh, like a trade paperback or in one sitting, I think it's it being in single issues is what's the thing that I've got an issue with. like it's very hard to read right now as a single issue series because for the first two issues is very much set up. Um, uh-huh. but it's such like weighty, deep topics you, you need the setup. like I'm not knocking that. like it is the closest that you can get to like an intellectual comic book. Um, that really, like, diving into geopolitical stuff. Um, And it's dry. Like, I would expect a comic like that to be dry. But as a single issue, it's hard to read that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not exciting. It's rather boring. Um, It's interesting, but it's just not gripping at all. Uh, Like, you know, a lot of people in comics are used to. So to me, it's going to be fascinating after it's done to go back and try to read it in one sitting. And I have a feeling the experience is going to be totally different um as reading it as like a trade or all 12 issues at once than it is single issues
1: i think that's true and i ultimately think this is a comic where the audience will end up reading it in trade as well yeah. um yeah like there's a lot of terminology in it that i have to go and look up to double check on and um it it the sort of thing where like it really re- expects you to know about T'Challa's history mm-hmm. and about Wakanda um, and um, you know when it finally gets put into a book it'll have you know you can have like a you know, I hope. Things like that and I imagine it probably would but I like like he really you know he's a huge Marvel comics geek so yeah it's full of continuity and mythology from within the stories and um, so the
0: question that i have for you like so my big thing was it it really is one of the few comics that have gotten tons of mainstream coverage do you think someone from the i mean you've kind of answered it before but do you think someone coming out from you know that that read the Atlantic and saw the article in the Atlantic about it, or any of the mainstream coverage would read this first issue and sit there and be like, Oh, I need to read more of this. No, I, think most I mean, that's
1: really, no, definitely not. And I yeah, actually thought that right. the excerpt that they put in the Atlantic magazine, like was really not the right excerpt. I could have chosen a different excerpt from issue one that would have made that would, I think would have been more understandable to new readers. Um, like the excerpt that they used in the Atlantic, in fact, was uh, a, a pa- some panels that had, like, it was the first pa- couple pages of the comic, actually. And mm-hmm. those pages only make sense if you know who the hell Namor is. And, yep. uh, you know, like, that doesn't make any sense to 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 begin it there for the excerpt. But it does make sense if your purpose is to connect the story to the larger Marvel universe and the fans in general. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think this is good stuff. Uh, the art is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought it was cool that he really is focusing on, like, especially in the first issue, like gender, and how women are oppressed by people who pretend to be taking care of them um, and how women, like when we try to do things outside of certain social structures that they say are actually respecting us, we end up getting punished, and, like, this is also a book that's very critical of the king, and that's great. Like, it's kings are not okay. <laughs> um, so, it's cool to have that internal critique of the monarchy in the story here, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, kind of, it's an interesting thing, and it's something that I don't think has been discussed in the stuff that I've read for Black Panther. I don't know if it generally has, but, you know, let's face it, Black Panther is... A king, and while he might be a somewhat benevolent king, not necessarily benevolent towards everyone, you know, based off of the conflicts that I have seen, not everyone sees him as a benevolent king. Uh-huh. And it looks like Coates is actually going to examine that, um, and that's something that's it's really, really interesting, and I think fascinating to see, as you know, where he goes with it, and the fact that he's really to bring up, you know, sexuality in the series and does it right away. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I got to give them mad you know, credit oh, yeah. for that. Oh, yeah,
1: like, like up people. series contains lesbians. Yay! Yeah. And they're not, yeah. like, shown in a way that they're being designed to entice straight men. Yay! Like, no, and, like this is the... such, a great, such a great job on that.
0: And I think what's even more interesting is, so, for those who don't know, the, the two characters that are, the, that come out as, as lesbians in the comic are part of Black Panther's uh, elite guard, and the elite guard's has a dual role in that they're supposed to also be, you know, the possible wives of Black Panther down the road. Um, So the fact that you not just are exploring lesbians and lesbians and and black, you know, black culture, but you also have that um, dual layer in that you're exploring the expectation of women of getting married to men and being those subservient, like that role in their lives at the same time um i i just i think it's really it's a fascinating mm-hmm. thing and I, I think that's the the comics it's beyond intelligent like it's so smart and i I would throw it up there as one of the most intelligent like layered interesting comics out there mm-hmm. um currently like it is exactly what I expect for like a political geek who you know what he writes generally like this is what i would, type of thing I would expect them to put out
1: yeah. um
0: I just wish it was, you know, uh, either coming out quicker or done in like graphic novel trade form so you can read more of it at once. I think it'd just be way better uh to be able to to read it than monthly issues.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's my true. one
0: my one knock. Um mm-hmm. but really, I mean, really solid. Like I'm I'm impressed with what he's done. And the, the other is is I don't know if have you been reading like the back matter at all Uh yeah so in the first issue Brian Stelfries who's the artist makes a comment that you know Coates didn't have a clue how to write comics and that he's getting better as he's going along and the fact that he's willing to admit that of being like no this is a guy who didn't know what the hell he was doing going into this is pretty pretty impressive not many folks would you know especially after being hyped so much would go in there and be like, no, he actually didn't really know what he was doing and he's learning it as he's going and he's improving as he's going. Um, that's a, a rare, rare, you know, look, honest look behind the curtain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I think that, like, if your friends who are, like, Taha and e. C. fans are like, should you read Black Panther? Like, you know, explain to them the challenge of reading it if you're not someone who's involved in Marvel Comics prior And suggest that they should read Nighthawk because I think Nighthawk is eminently penetrable to new readers and will scratch your itch for a socially aware, you know, like black superhero. Um, I think that it's something that you should totally be telling them to check out. That and Concrete Park, but I'm always talking about Concrete Park. (laughs) I got to get them to come on the show.
0: Yes, we definitely need to have them at some point. Uh, Well, we had a fourth comic that we wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was supposed to be bigger news and, and stuff coming out in comics last week. Uh, DC Comics is doing their whole new redo universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the form of Rebirth, which saw a new comic, or the uh, one-shot comic launching it out. DC Universe Rebirth uh, come out last week. It was DC's big push uh, Marvel purposely rained on their uh, on their parade and basically took the wind out of their sails by the whole cap hubbub. Uh, but it's an, it's an interesting um, first issue. Jeff Johns is kind of being the architect behind all of the the DC universe and working with all the creative teams throughout the various series to kind of give a new direction. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me is, is the tone of the comic uh, really reflected DC comics of the past of that hope and um, more of a bright outlook on things and that it, it outright addresses the grim and grittiness of comics, um, that it says this is a battle between dark and light and hope and, dark, you know, hope and and um, cynicism or whatever. Like, it, it straight-up addresses not just what DC's been doing with their new 52 and a lot of the valid criticism, but also comics as a whole. I mean, it's Go ahead.
1: I mean, I so I actually did go ahead and read it, even though I oh. like wasn't necessarily put on it. Um, so the thing is, though, like this 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 introduction is by Jeff Johns, and he's criticizing cops for being dark and greedy, and like he wrote them. The in 1952, that was like his child. So for him to be going and saying like, oh, something went wrong, everything is too dark, and then essentially seeming to be blaming it on Alan Moore and the cultural significance of Watchmen, when it's like no, you were the one who was writing this. You're the one who relaunched Justice League where none of the characters knew each other and where everybody was, was fighting. Um, you know, like, I mean, uh, Wheeler really spelled this out in some of his own writing, Andrew Wheeler. But, like, I, I thought that that was just so dead on. Like, it, it's, it's true that, like, you know, I, I think it's interesting for the comics to go and take a look and critique the tone of what they had recently and to say, like, friendship and closeness was missing from it. But it's bizarre to have it be the author who had, who is the person who made that problem in the first place, be the one saying it, acting as if he had nothing to do with it, and then to like, sort of try to blame it on Watchmen. Um, I don't necessarily – yeah, so one, we don't, we
0: don't know what you know, Jeff Johns was told to do when he launched Justice League. So, I mean, for anyone to be like, no, he, he did the tone. For all we know, we were told, he was told that what the tone was. And I think what's interesting is kind of left out in that, that Wheeler piece is, you know, clearly that's not his outlook. Because if you've read, if, you know, if you go back to Flash Rebirth, Green Lantern Rebirth, or his being brought in to kind of write the ship of DC films, the thing he keeps on talking about is fun, hope, positive, mm-hmm. Like I think his outlook is more of what DC Universe Rebirth is. And what we saw in Justice League might have been pushed on him a bit much from someone else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because everything else he's written doesn't indicate that that's his
1: outlook. Like I can imagine that. I mean in this whole thing, like with the critique of him has always just sort of been like, he wants everything to be silver age, so
0: which actually yeah, makes me
1: to my other point, which is like so like the the pages that Jimenez drew of Flash and Flash meeting are so good like Jimenez is such a skilled artist of course they're going to be good but like looking at the pencils actually I think that they're most beautiful if you just look at the pencils and you can see the pencils on Twitter where he posted them on Twitter frankly I think they're the most beautiful as raw pencils Um, and the scene is very very moving Um, like it really is and these aren't these are two characters I don't particularly care very much about and I still found it to be very very moving um, but when you're bringing in the Wally West from, you know, pre-New 52 Wally West, like, what you're doing is you're making the current Wally West in DC Comics, who's black, teenager, um, you're making him not be the real Wally West anymore. And, like, I fully expect New 52 Wally West, the black Wally West, to get shuffled off into the background now, uh, and that's not a good idea. So, I, you know, I think that they executed that scene really well, but I don't think it's a good idea.
0: It'll be interesting. So that that the there that was the thing that struck me that was about the comic as a whole. In that, for those who don't know, there, there's two Wally Wests. Um, they are actually two different people. Um, they're cousins. They're just both named after the same person. Um, the the thing about the comic that I thought was really fascinating in that it was an interesting blend of Silver Age, Modern Age, New Fifty Two bringing all these different characters together because it wasn't blue beetle where it was like with ted cord it was jaime reyes it wasn't um i forgot which aqualad it is but it was like the aqualad that you would know that was from teen titans the comic or the cartoon series
1: well, Oh, so the one the cartoon f- series wasn't human though I and mean, this this kid is human but he is yeah. black yes yeah and but so i, I kind of
0: consider him the same Yeah. Plus, then it was also real, revealed that he's at least bi. He might be gay. We don't quite know. Um, and I don't know the character well enough that that's a new thing. I'm assuming it is based off of some of the reactions. So yeah, the I believe il- he's a
1: new character. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um
0: so it's interesting that the comic does blend all these different things, and I'm fascinated to see where the new Wally West fits into it. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna suck if he gets pushed to the side. Um, but. There's so many other different areas that they're doing really well. I can't imagine that's going to be what it is, but we'll find out. I mean, the Flash Rebirth is out, I think next week or the week after. So, you know, that's going to be the key point to really determine what the hell's going on. But it is. I will give the comic a massive credit, and I think that he did a very good job blending the various areas and eras of DC.
1: Hmm. So my my concern about, like, the Wally West thing um, is, like, you don't see the black character in any of the group shots. And you don't see Aqualad, the black Aqualad, in any of, like, the Titan stuff. Like, you know, where are they going to fit in? Are they going to have enough of a high-profile place? Like, I mean, I'm really glad that they have, a, a you know, another gay character. But, like... I mean, what are they going to do with the gay characters they have? Like, where's Bunker been? You know, I, I don't know where 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 has Bunker been. Um, you know, where's Grace Choi? Like, there's, there's, I, please keep adding to the roster. But, like, adding another name to a character who you're not really going to throw your weight behind doesn't really help that much. Yeah, but the, the fact that they had that
0: scene with Aqualad makes me think Aqualad's going to play. You're not going to put that scene in just for the hell of it. You're going to do something with it. Um, it'd uh-huh. be very strange to sit there and say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're we're putting the scene and not going anywhere. And where I think the new Wally West, the black Wally West, how, like, how, yeah, so we'll just call him the new Wally West. And why I think he's actually going to play into something in that the promos leading up to this has him, like, not front and center, but part of the promos. So they're mm. not going to push him and okay. push him and to do that. So that's good. Like, oh, that's very good. Yeah. So he's there, and it's clearly on their mind, and they're clearly thinking for stuff because Damian Wayne now has more of a Middle Eastern look to him, which is smart. Um, yeah. They've got a Hispanic. You know, it makes a, sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> he yeah, yeah.
0: All along. Yeah. And the artist outright said he's like it's idiotic that this hasn't been the case. Um, they've especially, got
1: especially like when you want to make your different Robins recognizable it's bad art to not have him be looking clearly distinct from the other ones, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, They've got the, the Hispanic um, Cruz, I think their last name, Green Lantern. Uh Plus now you've got Simon Boz is being a Green Lantern are going to be like two, the two main focuses of like the earth Green Lanterns. So now you've got a Muslim guy and a Hispanic woman in front and center. Like they're, they're doing diversity and doing it really smart, it seems like. Like, if they're, they're tying it in well and doing it in an intelligent way. So that it's that not going to be
1: pushed aside, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, I have to give them tons of credit um, for what they're doing in that. Like, the, the fact that they could have easily gotten rid of Boz, they could have gotten rid of her, and just gone with Gardner, you know, uh, Stuart, Rainer, and and Jordan, but they're not. Like, they're giving these two... Not just the fact that they're going to be the Green Lanterns yeah. of Earth. They're also getting trained by Justice League. But, so like, going play but here's the
1: thing out. about the about like the rebirth graphic that has like all these different characters. Is this is an amalgam, right? This is not like a cover of anything. These are characters that are drawn by different artists assembled onto a background. I mean, and if you didn't have the uh, Black Kid Flash in this group, you wouldn't have any black characters in this group. Like you would have people of color still, but you wouldn't have any black characters um so it's sort of like you know like you don't want to launch with an image that doesn't have any black characters um they... it, it, he's 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 not to scale with the other folks in the image
0: yeah it's um, a little weird like that
1: he sort of looks like he's tacked on um so i i, I don't know i mean it makes it makes me wonder i don't know how diverse the creative team is on stuff that will be happening moving forward um you know they i have think that's said... gonna make a big difference too
0: yeah, so they have said that the images that they're releasing are the folks that they are focusing on. So it's not just they're releasing it for just to release it. So the fact that he's there makes me think that he will be a part of this somehow.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and uh,
0: it looks like at this point, if you look at some of the stuff they're doing, like Greenlanders on it, they actually might have one of the most diverse comics line out there at this point now.
1: Well, I'm, one of the things uh, I'm really excited about is. Um, Vita, oh, my God, I'm forgetting her last name. She's my comic bookstore uh, sales lady's girlfriend, actually, is going to be the first black woman to write Amanda Waller in a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, the sadly, only black women writing a comic for a mainstream company. Um, or she will be the only one working writing it for a mainstream company. She'll be one of the few black women working for one at all. Um, she's going to be doing a Suicide Squad series. Uh, I think it's starring Katana and El Diablo. And that is this thing I'm incredibly excited about. I can't yeah, wait
0: to and, read it. Uh, I think it just got solicited in preview. So if anyone wants that, they definitely should go and check it out. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it's clear there's, there's actual thought being put into some of this stuff. And DC wants to do it smart. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna, we might not see Prez. We might not see um, Bizarro or Batmite Comics. But you're going to see diverse Green Lanterns, diverse Teen Titans, diverse Justice League, um, an actual interesting mix of characters with all of those. Like, there's something I mean, yeah, going that, on there. That, that, woman,
1: that woman is in Detective Comics again. Um, yeah. you know, they haven't canceled Constantine, thank God. They're going to keep doing Gotham Academy, thankfully. Yep. Um, it looks like the Birds of team book like, is... A lot of women, but it's, like, predominantly white. Um, and we'll have to eventually do a rundown on who the creative team are in terms of diversity and sort of, like, do a little head count on that because it can be hard for us to know at this point. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like, the, the, the DC rebirth has given me hope. It's done exactly what Jeff Johns <laughs> wants it to do. Is there's, there's I came out of it feeling positive and actually kind of looking forward to it. It feels like classic DC with maybe slightly modern look to it, um, but with some cool characters. Like it's uh, when they first announced it, like the the Super Sons, I would kind of scratch my head and was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. But it's it's Damian Wayne and it's the pre fifty two Superman. You know Jonathan Kent, teaming up, and for those who haven't read the Superman um, Lois and Clark series that was out, um, I think this last uh, uh, issue was last week. It it's really good, and the fact that we've got this you know Superman is married to Lois Lane, they have their son, um, the the tone of it, I think is just so good. I'm pretty sure it was Dan Jurgens that wrote it, like it flew on the radar for so many people but it really had this classic feel about it with a more modern look. Um, and it was it was just good. Like, I started reading that going, this is what DC should be doing. And it seemed like this is what DC is going to be doing. Um, you, know, you know, the end of the episode, or the end of the issue, I'm going to spoil it for folks, is the Superman handing his old cape to his son and saying, this kept me protected. And the kid putting it around his neck and lifting, you know, a foot off the ground. There's just something magical about that that DC's been missing that was captured in, you know, two or three panels and done really, really well. So, like, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what they do.
1: Well, um, yeah, you know, I know that the writer of Green Arrow says he wants to really make the character be rooted in the conversation around politics. Which yes, is what Yes. Supposed to do so. That'll be the, cool. I, I, you know,
0: the first issue uses the term "social justice warrior" a lot in a good way.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's by, that's a term I'm perfectly happy to like use myself in co-ops a lot because it's like, why why would that be a bad thing? That sounds like a good thing. Um, um, so yeah, I, you know that's bringing the character back to his purpose. Obviously, um, I didn't love the bit with him and Black Canary in Rebirth. I thought it was like if the main point of those two characters isn't to put them in a relationship together. Like, I, I'm a big fan of both characters. I kind of have generally found them to be more interesting on their own, frankly. Um, but I also like their, you know, that they have this, like, particular kind of respectful relationship. I, like, enjoyed that they were a perpetually non-married couple, which seems deliberate, you know, in between the two of them. But I'm going to be reading both of them
0: Uh, So the thing is, that didn't hit me much, because I just don't know the characters well enough. Like, I wasn't reading a lot of that. It's like, they're
1: meant to be together. And I'm like, really? Yeah, it came off that way. That's like not, that's not, I I generally find that, oh, they're meant to be together to be the least interesting story you can tell about two adults.
0: I'm wondering if some of that is being done as, you know, not really thumb at people, but like commentary, because there was all this stuff of like, no, DC characters aren't supposed to be in relationships, and they broke all these, like, relationships up, and this is kind yeah. of, like, some sort of a response to it. Um, you know, I don't know, but it felt like that in many hmm, that ways. That could be. That could be. Of, could of be. like, a lot of people were bitching about, you know, couple various couples broken up.
1: Like Lois and Clark, for sure. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah and um, Batwoman, and I can't think of her girlfriend's name. Maggie
1: Sawyer. Maggie.
0: Yes, SF, that was it. As soon as you said Maggie, I was like, Sawyer. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering if some of that is due to that, because there seemed like a weird emphasis on that. But then again, like, the whole DC Universe Rebirth, like, the issue is really about love being the anchor for Wally West, and Mm -hmm. I reread the Flash Rebirth, and that's what Flash Rebirth's all about, too, is, like, love and hope. It's really, really interesting. Well, I hope you're right.
1: How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Hope is right. Yeah, as I said,
0: the series made me feel hopeful as to what they're doing. So we'll, we'll see, you know, I felt hopeful about their DCU and shit went sideways quick. Um, yeah. So we will, we will see. Um, I'm really going
1: to miss the creative team on John Constantine. I just think that book has been so outstanding. Um, I don't know if the new writer is, is queer. I hope so. I think that that made a difference in the characterization and the story so far.
0: Yeah, I got to look up to who's playing it, or who's creating it. Um, um, I should have had that all up in front of me, but...
1: Sorry, but uh, yeah, I think that that matters, uh, and I really, really liked Constantine comic.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, like, the big thing is if they're not having him smoking cigarettes flirting with everything that's in front of them, it definitely is something missing. Um, it's part, part To me, that's part of the fun of the character, and, uh, you know, the, the previous team, like, nailed it. When it comes to that, um, I think they were just really, really good. So it's going to be interesting to see how that first issue is because it's going to be compared to this previous volume's first issue where he just, like, straight up goes and starts flirting with the the guy in the restaurant, like...
1: Yeah, and then ruins his life because that's what John Constantine does. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: I... I'm hoping that they keep up with it. Like, I, I think it would suck to turn around and be like, no, nah, we're, we're going to kind of back off of that because that's part of the, I don't want to say the fun, but the interesting thing about the character.
1: Um, so, yeah, I just really hope that, I, I don't think we know really about what's going to happen with Constantine. You know, it's sucks that we don't have Midnight or Catwoman anymore. Those are two queer-led titles that are both gone. And it's strange to me to have, I mean, they both are critically acclaimed. I know they didn't sell a ton, but they were going to keep selling in trades, especially Midnighter, because Midnighter got so much attention. Catwoman should have gotten way more attention than it got. Um, but with the GLAAD Award for Midnighter, like this is a book that's going to keep selling, and they canceled it. Um, you know, I, Orlando, I'm sure, will do really cool stuff on Supergirl, but he could, mm-hmm. he could be writing more than one book, that's for sure. Um, and I really it- wanted Marguerite Bennett on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman,
0: yeah.
1: Rucka having Rucka on it again doesn't feel to me like I. It like we're getting it all. The, he's like the best white dude, but like he's just the white dude. And like I want, I want Marguerite Bennett. I want a fresh <laughs> young woman on on her now, like we were supposed to get. So, so. the person taking over for Hellblazer has a,
0: a long history with Vertigo. So I'm wondering if they're going to start focusing it more to what we saw when it was in Vertigo. It's interesting that he... And he has some previous writing history with Hellblazer, so... Oh, it's going to be interesting. Simon Oliver is the one writing Hellblazer.
1: Simon Oliver?
0: Yeah. He did uh, The Exterminators from Vertigo. Um, did a little bit of Gen Thirteen. Did Hellblazer presents Chaz the Knowledge, Vertigo Crime, Noche Roja, uh, F.P.B. Federal F- Bureau of Physics, which was okay. really interesting. Well, I thought.
1: Okay. Like it seems great. I, I need some. I don't know. I, I'm just reading what he had. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> mm. he's, I, was I thinking know it's has got go a for now. me to get okay. for me to talk about my interest in Constantine, but he, <laughs> you know, he would be the only bisexual character like lead comic that DC would be doing. It would be good for them to get it right. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but I, my guess is he's picked because of his background with Vertigo, which mm-hmm. I think is just it's interesting. Um, whether or not he's straight, no idea.
1: Yeah, I'm going to guess probably. So, Wikipedia doesn't tell you everything. <laughs> it could. If, they, sure if could. if there's somebody who's spoken about it, then it'll probably say something about what they've said on the issue. And Sadly, straight people don't ever... Feel the need to discuss gay rights, so we wouldn't know. Um, anyway, um, okay. Well, it's coming. How soon are yeah. you seeing these other titles? Like, really rapidly coming in soon.
0: Yes, every week will be new DCR- DC Rebirth releases. Um, first, starting off with like one-shots that kind of set the tone as to what's to come, and kind of you know bridge the gap between the old and the new, and then you know the new comics following up after that. So this week is Batman, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns and Superman. And then next week we get our first look at Wonder Woman. So that should be interesting. Mhm. Should be really interesting. Um but yeah, so Oh
1: no. Well, yeah. Well. well apparently I mean we should, you know what? Let's put a put a put a bookmark. I want to talk about the whole there are three Jokers thing later. I'm not ready to talk about that yet, but yeah,
0: that one I I have no idea if anything makes me nervous is that, and I'm not not diving into uh, that too much until we get a better idea as to what the hell that means. Because there's so and I don't many want, interesting I don't theories. want to
1: know the real identity of the Joker. That's the worst idea ever. That's like the worst oh, idea since Wolverine Origins. It's actually worse than Wolverine Origins. Wolverine you know? Origins, like I don't want to know definitively what Wolverine's origin is. And now that we know it's stupid and should never have happened. Yep. Um, and the Joker, like, is a force of nature outside of rationality, outside of reason. Yep. And if he is a real person rooted in something that happens, like, it's just not as scary. Not knowing is always going to be scarier than knowing, you know? Um, it's a huge mistake.
0: It's funny that you said force of nature. That I just had my note that I wanted to say it, and the term I was going to use is, he's a force of nature. Who cares what his origin <laughs> is? Um, yeah. But yeah. It, It's going to be really interesting, and I don't know where they're going to reveal it, if it's going to be Tom King's Batman, or if it's going to be in the Batman All-Star, or All-Star Batman with Scott Snyder. Um, But it looks like it's going to be a long-term thing. But yeah, it'll be fascinating. So yeah, we will discuss that when it actually gets a bit more relevant, and we know something other than what's been teased. It's intriguing, but I'm really nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, is there anything else we need to discuss?
1: No, I mean I just, just remind people like there's you know there's cool stuff that just came out again. New issues of Hellcat and new issues of um, well, I mean lots of DC series obviously are wrapping up, but new issue of uh, all new Wolverine, which is just a great title, um, just came out, and those were two of my big two that or on the to-read list. The Trade Paperback of Art Ops is about to come out, which I'll be writing a little bit about. It's a very, very vertigo title. Um,
0: Yeah, that that one's all you. (laughs) It's so over my head. (laughs) eh.
1: It's like if art was alive, also living in New York. It's a lot of fun. It's like a lot of visual jokes um, and references to pop art. And Scenes from the City... uh, I mean, if, if, you know, Al and the Brunridge are the artists, you know, and Alred obviously has such a specific style. If you're a fan of his art, you should read the comic. And if you're a fan of pop art, you should read the comic. It's a niche, and it's a lot of fun. Um, Good. Mm-hmm. When you said we have new issues of Tomboy just came out, right?
0: Tom, tomboy was this past week. I still think it's a fantastic series. I agree. Um, too many I know the people name is just... te- The
1: name is terrible. Like based on the name, I was like, why would I <laughs> want to read this? This is like such a dated concept. And I, to this day, I actually literally have no idea why this comic is called Tomboy, because she's not even, I, I don't even get it. But it's a really good comic about a girl with superpowers. That's,
0: I think uh, Murderous that's, Vigilante anime fan on uh, Revenge Kick is probably too long for a title.
1: True, but that's an accurate description. I <laughs> really like that book. Um, Monstrous is yeah,
0: the new issue out last week. Um, yeah,
1: that's—that's that's this is the last issue of that big arc. Yes, yep, yep and Monstrous has just really been a game changer comic like just unlike anything else you're going to read amazing fantasy stories um, really dark as hell but totally earns it and in a different kind of fantasy setting than what we're used to it's like fake steampunkish Japan and China and it's really far out really love Monstrous
0: yes Um, I'm trying to think what else it's there, it's just, there's been a lot of, it's just some fantastic stuff that's been out um, I read
1: the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch which I hadn't been reading Archie's horror books but it was very spooky well done and the art was quite striking and I didn't realize it was a period piece but it is and I like yeah. that
0: touch <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one um, she's also in Afterlife with Archie which had a new issue after a long break
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: last week um, that issue was really messed up in a good way um, I, that's another series I would recommend, highly recommend if you're into horror, you should, you know, the idea of zombies and Archie probably gets you to laugh, but it actually works out really, really well.
1: Yeah. Oh, the new, um, trade paperback of No Mercy just came out, which is a comic we've been really talking mm-hmm. about a lot. Alex DeCampi, Carlos Speed McNeil, um, definitely pick up the second, I'm sorry, not the first, the second trade paperback, read the first first, and then read the second, um, but that's a comic that's really unlike any other on the shelves right now. It's just a merciless, dramatic, like, HBO show of a comic about teenagers um, on a bus to do some BS charity work. And it goes off a cliff and what happens next.
0: So, the bus goes off the cliff, not the comic.
1: No, the comic is not gone <laughs> off the cliff. The comic is excellent. And I know Alex has a lot of other things coming out really soon. I'm looking forward to, it, so I hope we'll have her on the show again soon yeah and and uh yeah, so sure. I, I think that's it. yeah, yeah For we, me. we covered everything, we
0: give you a whole bunch of other stuff to check out, folks.
1: Yeah, if you're feeling depressed about comics, like there's there's great things going on too. Don't forget to check them out. you know, we have a, a feature at dot com every week, where there's like a list of the number of the comics that are coming out that week that we are most excited by. Um, and that's a great place to go to find new things to read. Oh, Christ. I didn't even mention Mockingbird. Mockingbird's been spectacular. Power Man and Iron Fist is still great. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we can get actually the writer Chelsea Kane from Mockingbird on the show sometime soon.
0: So. Yeah. And I will, uh, I will mention, I've got my Kickstarter books for retrofit. They just ran a, a Kickstarter and finished a little while ago, um, and they're actually sending out their the books from that. Um, the first ones are Hellbound Lifestyle by Alabaster Pizzo and Callie Forsythe, and then the other is Elf Cat in Love by James uh, Kolchaka. The Hellbound I think is awesome. It's really really funny. Both very very alt, you know, indie comics um hellbound i actually found myself laughing out loud consistently throughout because it's it's just life like little notices and commentary about life and it's it's just really funny um so check those out if you want some really alt stuff that no one's talking about i will have reviews up of both this week it's very cool I'm talking about it. they should uh, be get yes. on it Yes, Retrofit consistently gets nominated for awards, and no one, still no one talks about them, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to skip next week, um, and then we will be, the, be back the week after. And then is that the week we're going to aim to try to do our preacher talk?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: So it should be June 13th. We will be back talking preacher, which, uh, for those who don't know and maybe don't pay attention to TV, uh, the Vertigo, acclaimed Vertigo series, I'll just straight up say acclaimed on that one, uh, is having a television series based off of it on AMC. The first episode aired uh, this past two weeks. They replayed it last night. Uh, so we will be at the third episode and our, you know, our little discussion, which will be fun. Should be interesting. But yeah, so that's going to be June 13th, and we will get a post-up probably next week. Uh, about that but for those who are listening to this episode that want to listen to it again to share it with your friends or catch something that you missed it will be up on itunes and stitcher a little bit after and then posted on soundcloud and graphic policy tomorrow and for those who want to just catch up with us every day you can find us at graphicpolicy.com and follow us on twitter facebook youtube all at graphic policy keeping it nice and consistent So, yeah, thanks for listening, as always. Until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.